Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 125 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HairMTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hello, everyone. How's and Gable. Oh, what'd you say? I said, how's it going? I mean, I've... I, I'm usually pretty kind of curt in the in the introductions. I think oh. I mix it up and I threw you off your rhythm. I'm really sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Back on my rhythm. I'm also joined by Gabriel Nassif. Hey guys. Hey everyone. Sorry, I was a bit off in that intro here. Um, I'm a bit buzzing right now. Not off of alcohol. Not off of drugs. But in fact, I had one Pringle. And you know, if you have one Pringle, you have to have the whole can. So I'm actually running <laughs> off a full can of Pringles right now. I'm sure, a lot of NIS listeners know the pain of going through a can in the span of an hour but anyways we're not here to talk about what i eat we're here to talk about magic so well 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 this week we are talking about both modern and pioneer obviously gab played a challenge what a surprise he made the top eight so we're going to be getting into a lot of that um in the modern section talking about gab's deck also pat and i've been playing a lot of magic this week so getting into a bit of what we've played as well as well as not just modern this week pioneer uh, I've played some Pioneer, and we've all kind of loosely followed the format as well. Obviously, with the uh, Pro Tour coming back, being Pioneer-based for the first season, it's good to uh, kind of, I guess, follow that format now. I'm sure many of you compet- competitive players are interested in that. But before we get into any of the magic, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsor the cast. If you don't know who they are, they're a website online to buy anything card game-related. Can be Magic the Gathering singles, accessories, deck boxes, play mats. You can even buy cards from other games. They've just introduced the Digimon TCG. You've also got Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, go check them out. Card marker insane. Cardmarker.com or cardmarker.eu. As well as if you personally would like to support the podcast, no pressure to do so, but patreon.com slash midweek metagame is the best place to do so. Thank you so much for all our patrons that have been sticking around with us. Um but we are here to talk about magic. Like I said, Gab, Modern Challenge Top A, what'd you play? Give us a breakdown. Played Omnath Four Color just like every weekend. And <laughs> finally, finally, for the first time this year, I uh, made Top 8. I, oh. yeah. It's like went... a signature meme for you, really. Sorry? It's like a signature performance for you, really. To make Top 8? It's a big breakout. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make it big. But yeah, finally, I didn't. I mean, I did punt actually. My one loss, I, I didn't play super well in the Swiss, but I kept it together. Ran pretty, pretty well. I didn't even get the best matchups, but then I, I ran good against some tough matchups. I beat Goblins twice, which is maybe not terrible, but felt like shouldn't be super great. My one loss in the Swiss was to Blue White Hammer Time. The the Hammer Time curse is real. I just never beat that deck anymore, no matter what I'm playing. Okay. And uh yeah. So I, I lost the blue white version. That's the, the version people have been playing. And I, I was trying to 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 respect it too. I had the second force of vigor in my sideboard. I always have explosives. I was playing a verdict in the sideboard. I kept the main deck pretty pretty stuck. Four ragavans, two spreading seas, two fury, two memory deluge. Kind of sticking to my guns, not doing any of the other stuff people have been doing. Even though I think it's good, you know, I've been impressed by Ala Demriskal. People have done well with Risen Reef. Autumn Autumn Burchett won um won a big life tournament with Risen Reef version. I think maybe Corey Bormeister 
Capitalist and did well. They came second, but uh, yeah, still still a big performance. I think there was 270 players at that event in Birmingham. Yeah, she yeah she crushed it. And then I think the next day she won was a legacy tournament was Mono Blue. Damn. Was the Mono Blue? Uh... Oh wow! Yeah, she. I don't think she lost a match all weekend or something. Something ridiculous. Just classic autumns. So uh, that was that was sick. Um, people people also did well. Was uh, uh, Rhino's list? Rhino's was Archmage Charm that Britney MTG has been championing, and she she put her her money where where her mouth was and she she played a deck in a live event and she top four and a couple other people did well with that list and uh, the modern top eight was challenges was also all over the place 14 different archetypes hmm. and a bunch of not super conventional one but yeah my tournament you know just went pretty well uh made it made it top eight it felt good i yeah, nothing too groundbreaking. I lost to Burn in the quarters, which is a, a, a tough matchup. I actually lost to Burn three times in a row over the weekend because I lost in the quarters to Burn, and then I ran it back on Sunday, and I got paired twice against Burn in the first two rounds, lost both, and dropped. Yeah. I actually tried to reach the Pioneer Challenge, but I was out of ticks and play points, and as usual, I registered was like less than one minute left on the clock. And I was like, what's going on? Like, can I register? Oh, I'm just literally out of play points and tickets. So <laughs> I, I ended up not playing the, the Blue Eyed Pioneer uh, challenge. Moto broke. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I realized that Moto broke. It's a, it's a funny place to be, especially if there's two currencies. So especially the day after top eighting a tournament, <laughs> I think you have some, but I guess it's all like chests and whatnot. And I was, uh, I was actually watching. Uh, Andrea Manguchi stream during the week at some point in time, and he was he was also moto broke, didn't have enough play points to get into his yeah. into the league, and he just like opens chests one at a time until he has the bare minimum required to enter, and then he stops opening chests and joins the league. I yeah, I, I mean, I had two hundred and fifty chests on my account. I just didn't have time to sell them or to open them for play points. Just That's a pretty funny funny reason all. not to play the challenge. I was wondering why that was. I didn't yeah. catch that part of the stream. Um, I saw you lose twice. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, no, that was, that was something. You so, said... Uh, um, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah. I was just going to say, you said Goblins was not a good matchup for four-color control. I mean, I'm looking at your list. Four Bolt, four Ending, four Ren, four Solitude, two Fury. I mean, I would assume that four Solitude means that their combo is really hard to 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 do. with, And then you've got four Bolt, four Ending, so it's like even Aether Vile. I guess, what, Cavern of Souls is your biggest fear? All the all those cards are just so all their cards are just so bad you can't really justify spending removal on them and you just die they put a lot of pressure on you with like a bunch of creatures you just can't bear to kill well that's yeah. what i use in i in the matchup i just kill everything yeah but they have card advantage was ringleader they have munition experts which sometimes make it tough to turn the corner they're they're pretty well rounded they have pretty easy ways to blink your counter spells in game one because they have cavern and ether vial and you know, if if you miss a beat and they, they get out of control pretty fast. I don't yeah, know. I think... All I oh, sorry, all I know is that they mulliganed a lot. I think they mulliganed to five both my opponents mulliganed to five a few times. And it was still, you know, kind of close. maybe it's not yeah. like super bad, but I, I watched both those matches against Goblins actually, and yeah, you're right. They they did they did mold five twice, but they had some good ringleader hits, like one person mulled five and then had like two ringleaders that hit like four cards and three cards. 
Yeah. Um, they also had a zero, like one of them had a zero hit, a yeah. key zero, zero hit. Yeah. You do have some, you do have some pretty powerful guys in the, in the matchup that they're hard for them to overcome. Like they're, they're really not very good at like keeping on that off the board, but they only have munitions experts to interact with it. And also Fury is like obviously lights out against them in a lot yeah. of respects. I was, I was actually sitting there thinking, you know, Harry's describing like they got all these spot removal spells, but spot removal's not really great that great against them. Like, obviously, you need some of it to keep them off their combo, but you don't really, you know, drawing a whole bunch of lightning bolts isn't really going to get you very far in the matchup because thinking about goblins as a kind of beatdown deck is a bit of a kind of like misnomer, really. You just, that it's really is quite a, like an attrition y mid range, mid range deck that's trying to like you know, use cards like Ringley, like Gab's describing to just, you know, go over the top of people trying to trade one for one in the mid game. Mm, and yeah. they're hard to interact with in that respect so i was I, all this this watching of your goblins matchup made me think is there any reason to kind of start pivoting back to playing trying to find room for like a cheaper sweeper in the, in the sideboard maybe like radiant flames or a fire spout or something like that yeah there's there's an increasing number of decks in modern that look like they're kind of playing to the board and going a little bit wide you know but there's like yeah, you know, obviously this deck this goblins deck there's um yeah, you know, Yogmoth puts a lot of permanents into play. Not necessarily ones that you'd want to like sweep up all the time, but you know, it's nice to have a little bit of cleanup. Affinity is another one that you really want to clear out, like Ornithopters and Knights. Yeah, maybe. Any maybe finding space for that. Yeah, I mean, maybe even a card like Pyroclast. Is Pyroclast still the most oh, kind of efficient? Anytime, anytime anyone manages Pyroclast, I'm on board. I, I find yeah. I run into the same problem though when I'm playing like, against Affinity and Hammer Time and stuff like that. Like the spot removal is like it's good. It's ha it's good to have it there, but you can't draw a handful of removal and just and win. Having cards like yeah, you know, like you described Pyroclasm to kind of clean up the mess, uh, and it le also lets you it lets you keep in the card advantage spells that let you just turn the corner essentially. Like you know, rather than drawing a handful of lightning bolts, rather you draw a lightning bolt of Pyroclasm and a draw two, and that's. That's how you get get your end game rolling when their deck is, you know, all of these beatdown decks are like really good staying power, right? Like we're talking about Ringleader and Goblins, uh, Thought Monitor and Thoughtcast in Affinity, uh, Esper Sentinel and Stoneforge Mystic in the and, and Urza Saga in in Hammer Time. So having sweepers rather than spot removal might be the a place that we need to start turning to. Yeah, or just go with Verdicts, even Verdict main deck. That's what uh... Yeah. Verdicts are more furies even. Sneaky Misato did. Um, it's Rain. Um, Kane, Kane Reinhardt. Kane Reinhardt. And he, he was just, you know, he's been off Ragavan for a while. And his last list was just a couple of verdicts in the main was Archmage Charm as well. But um, yeah, I have free explosives and a verdict, or I had that, that weekend free explosives and a verdict in my sideboard. Explosives more a nod to uh, Rhinos and to a lesser measure Hammer Time. I don't bring it against goblins or maybe I brought it one one or two because I had nothing better but it's not like oh I'm excited to bring explosives against these sex but yeah maybe just buried in, in goblins just pyroclast maybe play some sylvan caridates to 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 block ragavan and whatnot just pioneer mm. style <laughs> yeah maybe maybe not quite that far <laughs> but I, I am I'm I'm quite partial to a pyroclasm it's one of yeah. my one of my like Great, you know, long-standing complaints that the Ice Age art of Pyroclasm isn't available on Magic Online. Uh, you have to settle for Seventh Edition. It's... Yeah, I have some pretty one in in paper there. They're, yeah, I've got some beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful Ice Age <laughs> sitting in my Legacy sideboard. Yeah, I think the only question I have left uh, 
about four-color control is, I think we've mentioned a couple times in the podcast about Ice Fang Kotal versus, versus Archmage's Charm. Is there, is there any uh, change in opinion? I think they go well together, if anything. I like Ice Fang. I, I know, I think you need it for Murktide, amongst others, but Murktide's the, the matchup where it's probably the most important, mm-hmm. and Murktide's still really popular. I think I beat, was it this weekend? I beat two good players playing Murktide in the Swiss. And if you start trimming on, on Ice Fang, you you know, you make your deck worse in that matchup. It was one of the two, the only two archetypes that had like two copies in the top eight. It was two Dredge, two Murktide. And then after that, it was a bit of everything like Burn, Etron, Mail, Grixis Shadow. There was that Mardu Blink Reanimator deck that did well again. And there was a white black blink deck that won the Sunday challenge. Just grief, solitude, the blink cards, and Stoneforge Mystic to complement the that package. I actually played a league with that deck this afternoon. It was kind of okay. It was uh, I went three and two. I lost to some tough matchups like Mono Green Tron, which is tough. I actually almost got them because I got the grief ephemerate draw twice, but the second time they just top deck out of it. And then I lost to four color omnath, which felt like a pretty bad matchup. Hmm. That's funny. It, it's interesting how diverse the the modern challenge metagames are because when I play leagues, I'm only really playing it's like Cascade, Murktide, Four Color, and Burn. I don't really play against any other decks. What well, do you find that the modern challenge meta is different to leagues? Or I'm not sure. Honestly, I'm not sure. I. Yeah, I don't feel like I play against a ton of weird stuff in leagues either, but I could be wrong. You know, playing against goblins twice a league like I do. <laughs> it must be the times maybe. we play. Yeah, or maybe there's just lots of grinders in the leagues, and because the, the, I mean, the, the challengers are not very good value, right? Well, they're so, pretty big tournaments with uh, a, a static payout, so the bigger they get, the worse value they are. Yeah. I think if you if you if you value hunting on Moto, you're better off looking for the smaller challenges, which honestly at this point in time don't seem to really exist. Uh, numbers are kind of up across the board for all challenges at the moment. Yeah, I don't know. That's always been one thing about the challenges because they can't scale the prizes, right? Because of some law. Well, they probably can, but they don't. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, w- I would assume so. Maybe people play the challenges more for fun than they do competitiveness now. I'm not sure. I really don't feel like any of this kind of talk about what the field looks like in the leagues kind of... Yeah, I don't, I don't think either of us play enough to... Or any, all three of us even, so play, really yeah. play enough leagues to say that, you know, what we see is truly representative of the set, representative of the sample. I, I, I very rarely play against things that are off-meta in, 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 in the leagues, and when I watch anyone play a challenge, they very rarely play against anything particularly... Unusual. Yeah, no, I agree. This weekend was all different. Uh, the two goblins deck and affinity. Yeah, but... when, when you played against goblins the second time, because you played against goblins, right? It was like, Giddy can't save you awful, was the first goblins opponent. And then you queue up again, and you're like, all right, I'm going to look up what this person last played on Magic Online. You're like, wait, red, black goblins? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> <but> again. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was weird. What are the odds? You have, they have to be the only two goblins players in the entire tournament. <laughs> Yeah. So, burn, was, burn yeah. matchup three, 03. Uh, do you think that's representative of how the matchup goes? No, I, I've beaten Burn before. It's usually incredibly close, and a lot of the time, it 
involves like solitude shenanigans where I'm solituding my own creatures. I remember winning games because I went like fury or creature on the stack solitude my fury just for the free extra life just giving me that little life or sometimes it involves them maybe misplaying also some of a lot of my wins have involved my opponent bringing in vortex rolling vortex against me uh, yeah. and that age-old conversation where you, yeah. where you describe your opponent as bringing in vortex and it just does less than nothing <laughs> yeah exactly uh, i always say it's just worse than a volcanic hammer uh, yeah, almost every time and infinitely worse match. yeah infinitely worse than than like skull cracks it's bad because it's slow it, the the zero doesn't do that much and um cost mana you know, they have to hold up mana every time yeah, to like you, 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 have, you have ending to get rid of it sometimes march i even bring in some force of vigors in that matchup because of eidolon and if ever they have vortex but unfortunately for me none of my free burn opponents have cast uh vortex against me this this they, this they broke it yeah they broke it they fixed the matchup at least i feel validated you know i don't know if they brought them in mm. i know some brought in path which i think is reasonable because on map is kind of your main game plan i usually kind of not a fan of burn bringing in path but maybe in in that matchup it's good could definitely see that yeah, I, every, historically when people when burn opponents bring path in against me, it's kind of like a wet dream, really. Yeah, but yeah, on that's such an important card, and I think the same holds for cards like Murktide Region as well. Yeah, these projects will have specific paths in the sideboard, and I, I would expect them post board. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating because I feel like burn's not a very good deck. I think it's bad against Murktide, bad against Dredge, probably bad against Yogmoth, bad against. You know, bad against a lot of decks. I'm assuming it's not great against Rhino. I I I heard it's an underdog to Hammer Time. So, you know, props to them. But it's I, I was a little, you know, it's kind of upset. It's like oh, losing to it's like in poker when you lose to I don't know someone playing bad or something. Except they didn't play bad, just played a what I feel like is not a great deck. After you know, it's a, maybe there's budget reasons. Obviously, I'm not hating on the players. I just like. Feel like I, you, sh you know, I don't want to prepare for burn or have dedicated sideboard cards against burn because, yeah, yeah. No, if your focus is winning the tournament, I don't think that over overcompensating for a burn matchup is the best yeah. way to go about approaching a tournament. Like you know, trying to win the challenge. I mean, you, maybe, yeah. maybe if you're sitting in leagues and you kind of like you know you really you think that's a big weak spot to you and you're trying to just grind for grind for tickets, it's it's a spot to it's a, it's a decision to make. But if you're like I'm going to win this. 10 round tournament yeah you, know, you can't go spending three or four sideboard slots just to beat burn yeah because a lot of the really good cards against burn are only good against burn it's weather the storm but maybe there's a few maybe you can do like a second fluster storm yeah. instead of you know an explosives you can do maybe a chalice of the void or two instead of whatever your anti-cascade card would be. You can maybe play a Knight of Autumn that you can also bring in against Hammer Time. You know, it's not going to make a huge difference, but, you know, a lot of time, all you need against Burn is, you know, one life, one counter, one, one little something. I was, I was going to say that the, the, the best way to kind of gain small percentage points in matchups like that where you don't really want to dedicate extra slots to is to find other matchups where there could be crossover hate cards and yeah. just... You know, hedge your bets. Like you have explosives, you have three copies of explosives in your sideboard, and, and like 
at least one of those is because you want to pay attention to rhinos and like another card that's good against rhinos is flusterstorm that also happens to be good against burn so you kind of get a slightly worse card against rhinos and a slightly better card against burn yeah. and you know, improve maybe, maybe you improve your overall win percentage in those two matchups a little bit more than you would otherwise yeah, another card is, is Spreading Seas. You know, maybe have more Spreading Seas and less Basajus. Even though Basajus is kind of good, you bring them in, it's painless mana, and it gets rid of Eidolon. So, yeah, you can do you can do a few little things to maybe improve the the burn matchup. So it was, it was a big weekend for kind of Paper Magic, I guess. There was, you know, multiple big events this weekend between the UK and then this, the SCG con that was on that had two relatively high high stakes modern tournaments so you obviously talked about Brittany mtg doing well kind of running the tables for the most part across two days in the modern 30k with rhinos with archmage's charm uh, i actually had a chance to kind of watch a little bit of the coverage from that event which was not run by scg but run by i was saying anzid mtg kind of like running a private stream essentially of these tournaments and i was i was really really pleasantly surprised by the quality of the coverage so shout out to them and also shout out to just people putting in effort to kind of cover paper tournaments again because it was so good to just like watch people play magic even if like there was a lot of sleeve glare which just kind of just takes you back full of nostalgia really not being able to see any cards in play on one person's side of the board because the light's at the wrong angle but it was really cool to see that they had like the the production quality was really good i think they're broadcasting it from their phone but you know high quality high quality video great commentary as well that kind of had rounds i was watching that had reed duke and jarvis you in the booth both doing an excellent job and it really just it took me back and i was just really happy to see that and yeah, had over 2000 viewers at some point i think yeah exactly like just you know the paper magic demand it's there just like the magic online demand is there who, who was streaming it so anzid ntg is streaming directly from his twitch account so i think he's just like anzid so a-n-z-i-d mtg is a twitch profile yeah. and broadcasting this broadcasting feature matches live with you know pro tour hall of famers on coverage like doing commentary it was really 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 top quality stuff considering it's you know it reminded me of kind of you know scg coverage kind of five 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 or, six, or, or more years ago totally watchable totally good insight into the game and just great to watching people's hands shuffle <laughs> shuffle cards <laughs> around i guess yeah. Did either of you get a chance to watch any of it? No, I saw the I saw the photo of how we did the setup. I just I'm surprised that SCG isn't doing the coverage. But Gab, did you watch it? No, I, I didn't really watch it either. SCG seems to have definitely taken that step away from this is the place where they're going to make the you know, plant their flag. I think so. They they obviously cancel all their kind of SCG premium, canned a whole bunch of their riders, uh, especially their competitive strategy riders. And they explicitly said that they will not be covering the SCG tour anymore. The SCG tour is not coming back. What's going to happen is they're going to do these SCG con events where it's you know got a, it's more like a, like a bit of a Grand Prix, I think, slash an SCG event where there's a lot of kind of side events and um, you know commander pods and this sort of wow. stuff going on, maybe cosplay and artists and stuff like that. And you know just turning the focus more towards just kind of getting people all in the room together who like magic rather than it being this competitive tournament circuit that really surprises me um because i spoke to the tournament organizer uh from card market and they specifically told me they said if you're running events you're lucky if you break even 
you're running an event because of a you want to give back to the community and b it it promotes your company and if you're just running scg con to run scg con and you're lucky to break even obviously maybe their numbers aren't the same in europe i think the difference between in scale between card market and scg is not to be trifled with like scg is a huge 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 company yeah but i mean it's it's almost the same scale i mean card market is is the most used TCG in Europe for any every card game. Don't forget, when you go to a Magic tournament in card market, they are all TCGs are there, not just Magic. So maybe it's just cheaper in the states. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. To be honest, it might but, be much more affordable if you don't cover it. Yeah, my my point is though, my point is though, is that I feel like I'm wondering what 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 their numbers are behind the scenes because in theory what they're saying is that the cost of running the stream is not making them the money back right i suppose so it could also have been you know the the way the wind seemed like it was blowing six six to twelve months ago made them led them down to a part a decision making pathway that comes up with this end point but then what he makes a kind of a reasonable pivot and says yeah, actually no we're kind of completely changing course away from digital digital magic back to paper magic and i'd be surprised if a company that big doesn't have enough you know fingers in pies and ears to the ground to kind of know that that's the way the wind's going to be blowing in the future but um i don't know it's 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 beyond my ability to comment really other than to say that's what this is what has happened with scg and someone has picked up an independent person has picked up the reins for the time being yeah, in a lot of respects, this is exactly how SCG coverage began. So what used to happen is, I think the what was the what was do you remember the company uh, Good Games Live, GG's Live? Yeah, Rashad Miller. Yeah, Rashad Miller had a kind of private private coverage company that would go to SCG events and Grand Prix and cover them, kind of not guerrilla style, but like you know, say, hey, we'll do coverage for you and do the broadcast, and they would maybe broadcast kind of one every one match around kind of this rudimentary stuff this is kind of like in the 2010 early 2010s and that eventually became the scg coverage that you know we, we all kind of remember over the last five five or so years but i i could, I could imagine that you know maybe they made the decision to move away initially and they see someone come along and do it independently and it'd be relatively popular and say hey you know what you know we'll, we'll just you know we'll just pick it up again so that we kind of control control the message it's getting out and it can do a bit more advertising and that sort of stuff as paper magic and paper events in general become more popular and pick up after it in a kind of like quasi post COVID world. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something we could talk about all day. I'm, I definitely think that my final thoughts is I'm, I'm wondering now if they just cut it pre like before COVID and then now they're just, like you said, it's restarting, but who knows? It's all up in the air. Um, Back to modern, if that's okay with you guys. I mean, I I actually did play modern. There's not a lot of modern, you know. I'm revising for my exams, but um, what is it? I I I played with Cherry X Man, fellow British streamer. Um, with Green Red Ponza for Ragavan, and then just sort of Ponza Shell in for Magus. You know, you got Clothis, Season Pyro, Blood Braid, and Karn. Um, and obviously like loads of different Green Red mid rangey style stuff. And it's like, you get to this, I think in modern right now, my personal opinion from all these decks that uh, Cherry was showing me and we were talking about it, is that I feel like you can easily build a deck 
that's decent against everything but Merc Tide, Four Color, and whatever. So that's why I did quite well with this Green Red Ponds deck in the league, but that was because specifically my two losses were to um, those top three, and then my three wins I crushed, um, you know, non top three decks. And I feel like modern right now, we're getting to a really refined point where it's like, you can either play four color Cascade or Merktide, where you'll have a bad matchup in those two, but be good against everything else. And then obviously uh, this green red Ponza deck, I feel like it's pretty good against everything bar the, the top decks where you're like, okay against them, but not great. I think there's a lot of truth to your statement that the, the pillars of modern are Merktides, four colors, and um, rhinos, or like just Cascade in general. I think I saw Andrew Ellenbogen tweet something very similar to that today, and it's it's hard to be build something that's good against all three. It's just it's just not something you can realistically do, and that's 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 a totally normal thing to happen in a Magic ecosystem, and you know, kind of representative, I guess, of something that's settling down around or coalescing around these major axes of power. It's, it's this Ponza deck. So, what what matchups do you say you think were good out of those kind of three pillars? I think that my uh, my favorite matchup out of all of them was um, uh, uh, Ca- Cascade. I mean, I, d- I didn't I didn't really I I lost to Merktide and Four Color, but I feel like honestly you lean in so hard with Ragavan and um, what is it and Karn? You just got to hope to go under them, and I feel like you can easily go under um cascade out of all of those i don't know i mean i the deck it's it's an okay deck i mean it's ponza you know what i mean you either like ponza them or you don't it's 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 not really like it's just you play your own game right it's it's not really an interactive deck what else did you play um i also what is it did the classic like discord watching uh, we played a league of blue red murktide um my friend Sir Hay was playing that. We three would with that. We I really like Merktide. I honestly think that I prefer it over four color control just because of how refined the lists feel like now. Have you played with Archmage's Charm Pat? Because I feel like yeah. all of the decks playing with three or four Archmage's Charm do so well with it's like three charm, two spell pierce, and then like the stock blue red Merktide. I really love it. Yeah. So that's what I've got kind of, you know, notionally sleeved off of Magic Online at the moment. I think I said last week that three Archmage's Charms doesn't not really my cup of tea. I, I would prefer to find space for maybe one more cheap card as opposed to the the third Archmage's Charm. But it seems to me that the you know conventional wisdom is that three Archmage's Charm is a place to be. I, I actually wanted to kind of point out that when I was watching this uh, SCG event, Amaz was playing and finished in 16th place with a relatively unconventional blue red blue red list. Uh, so they were playing, you know, Merktide, um, you know, ba- basic, basic Merktide stuff, but rather than Archmage's Charm, they had, so rather than three Archmage's Charm, they had three season Pyromancer. Oh, wow. Which is a card we discussed a little bit last, last week, uh, along with, uh, a copy of Blood Moon and also one copy of Maximize Velocity, which is a <laughs> card from one of the Ravnica Allegiance, I think it is, which has got the, the jumpstart flashback. Ability, so it's like plus one, plus one, and haste for a red and uh, flashback, uh, discard land, basically. And well, I can't really get behind that card. Uh, that is I, so I did, funny. 
I did like the intro. I I thought that the, that kind of that take of having all these season pyromances is like almost exactly what I was describing when in my kind of like theoretical art, uh, season pyromancer version of uh, of Merktide. Where he was, but rather than having them in the sideboard, he just had them in the main deck in the place of the Archmage's Chan and that little little like one of Blood Moon to kind of, you know, a a get some mising value and also just synergizes really nicely with the season pyromancers, I think. So I thought that was a really interesting take on the deck and one that I've got kind of lined up to try, but I think the pyromancers are in Gab's account, and I but I was I was planning on playing that some sometime after recording this class tonight. Is maximized velocity really that bad? Do you think? It has to be awful. I just, I just can't get behind it. The Does it exile so itself? It, uh, yeah, obviously it exiles itself once you flash it back. Um, I can't get behind cards like that in this deck. This deck is about having cards that play both ways, and you know you have you have creatures that put you ahead on board, and then your cards are either react defensive or offen- or or pro- proactive. And maximize velocity is just so single minded that. It, I will draw it in games and be like, this does not fit what I'm doing on this turn. And that is like a heartbreaker. You're playing it wrong, card. though. You're not supposed to draw it. You're supposed to mill it. Yeah. Well, and you have Season Pyro to discard it. it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you guys can be as con- con- contrarian as you want. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying, and you know that I'm right. Does yeah. Does it pump Merktide if you jumpstart the card? It says you may cast this card from your graveyard. Yeah, It'll exile itself and then you pump Merktide with it, so like it gives Merktide plus two plus two on the back end. I think maybe it kills people out of nowhere, but I never really felt like if I have an eight eight flyer in play that I'm worried about. It. Like, why don't you just put a spell pierce in your deck and protect all your cards? Ooh, yeah, true. Maybe it's too cheeky. I'm only people thinking. Are, uh, people I'm are saying, greedy. I'm not saying it's undoable, but like it's a, it's the sort of thing where that does not line up with my sensibilities of the way I feel about think about this deck. And when you're saying that these lists are really refined, when I look at a card like maximize velocity i'm like that is a very unrefined choice true whereas i can get behind the kind of there's a lot of like internally consistent logic between like archmage's charm susan pyromancer swap find space for some blood moons there's just less of that going on in my mind for a maximized velocity over a spell pierce which is the direct cut it seems to be he seems to have made i feel like this uh, idea from his comes from he he played a pt with with Phoenix, I think I I met him in London. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, Maximize Velocity is the card that has been played before, but it's not been played in the format that's as powerful as modern and in a deck that. I mean, Blue Red Merktide is there's no shortage of good options. Yeah, someone your one and spells. Someone from the Twitch chat said Amaz came on stream and said he specifically has it as a mirror breaker against other Merktide regions. Yeah, I don't know. That card was. Always pretty mediocre. It was played for a while, and then eventually people realized uh, it was not very good. You know, it was played in the Phoenix decks to to pump up your Drakes and whatnot. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna think it's a stinker now that I've now that I've thought about it. My, my mirror breaker in the Phoenix matchups is countering my opponent's expressive iterations with Spellpierce. That's what I do yeah. in, in the mirror. That gives me an edge. <laughs> but yeah, different horses, different course. That's fine. I I really thought that his list was really cool. 74 out of 75 cards, I'm totally down with it. I don't want to like labor on the point any more than I already have. No, actually, I think we should talk another 20 minutes about maximized velocity. Let's think of every single situation where it's awful. <laughs> I wanted to talk about a couple more things about the top eights. One is um, Yendrik kind of uh, 
you know, inspiring other people. You had a Jessica list similar to, to his boy try to make top four on Saturday. Uh, they were playing the four iteration, but they had the same idea of just foregoing Dragon Ray Chandler and just playing Ragavan, Merktides. They actually did not have Snapcaster Mage, but the the idea of just playing fewer creatures, playing a couple of Jays of Mind Sculptures and a more controlish shell, I guess. And on Sunday, there was Young Dingo, who also was only playing one Snapcaster. So I guess in that way, it's a bit different than Yenrek's list, but... Uh, he, he came in third was Grixis, same, not playing Chandler, but playing all the same cheap instant uh, instant speed spells and stuff. Bringing back Thoughtscour, actually, Harry's favorite card. <laughs> yeah, I used to love Thoughtscour. I mean, I it's used to love just the high roll. Yeah. I love Thoughtscour. And another really cool list that I had missed at first that, that came in force is Junt Living In. So Living In, but no no blue cards, just fury and grief so you get fury that's the 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 big upside and you get twin twin shot sniper which is a two three for four that cycles for two it doesn't even cycle it channels for two meaning when you discard it you can deal two damage to any target then when it comes back you get a two three reach that deals two damage to any target when it enters a battlefield so yeah, exactly. It's it's a, a better bone crusher, I guess, in, in Living End. So the the downside is you don't get Charlotte's Agent, you get the much worse demonic dread, but modern's pretty creature centric format, so you're usually gonna have a target, I guess. And you get these uh, creatures that are way more castable, you know, in, in the in the rug version, you can cast a four for flying, but that's kind of about it. Whereas this version, you have a lot of five mana creatures that you can reasonably cast. We're playing Season Pyromancer, you get Fury and Grief. Whereas in 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 the the rug version, you get Grief that is not really castable. You just have the one uh, one sunken rune. Yeah, I'm I'm impressed by this uh, by this red black living in deck. I was um I was talking just before the cast started. Like a lot of the creatures here look like they're kind of they're better in a small living end games as well so there's obviously a lot of attention paid to living end at the moment like it's you know well understood that it's a very powerful deck it might be the most pow- powerful kind of game one deck in the format i can't really think of a good a, a deck that has a genuinely good matchup against it in game one outside of decks that play a lot of teferi time reveler and even then like you still have to kind of get it through the grief and the fury or the force of negation in the in the kind of more conventional blue rat uh, team versions but um Endurance is this kind of hate card that a lot of people have, and Living End's really kind of proven to me over the last couple of weeks, especially, and you know, over you know, especially and more generally over the last few few months of playing playing against it, that it's really good at recovering from kind of small small ball graveyard hate. Like you can build up a graveyard, uh, try for a Living End, and then they endurance you, and you can just go off again. You can build up again and go off again. And so when you when you do resolve these kind of small kind of hindered Living Ends, this deck's actually really good at turning those into wins like horror of the broken lands can kind of go coast to coast by itself in a lot of respect because you know you, all the extra cycles you draw really turn into like you know pump up the damage archfiend of ifnir uh lets you lets you clear away creatures that they might rebuild with and then again like like Gav was saying the kind of the two uh evoke creatures that um that are really eminently castable in the in kind of long longer games with this deck 
give it a lot of kind of staying power. That coupled with also our favorite card from before season Pyromancer. I find it really interesting that they've gone for Ricochet Trap in the sideboard over Veil of Summer. Is that a specific reason? Uh, because Cascade has this text on it. Oh my gosh, I'm so well. dumb. I'm actually so yeah. dumb. Yeah, Ricochet Trap's like an old staple of Living End, actually. It's really, really hard to kind of... It's essentially Veil of Summer for, 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 for these, these Cascade decks, and it has been for a very long time. Even the kind of traditional Jund Living End from, you know... You know, seven eight years ago, really. You know, the Ricochet Trap was a staple and anti control card. Yeah, I'm not used to I'm not used to playing with Cascade spells in my deck, but yeah, no, I definitely think that what makes these Living End, um, Living End decks so good is honestly like the Fury, the Furies. I feel like I always lose to Living End because they cycle Street Wraith and have a Fury, and then they Living End and I lose, and the I think that's what really keeps it keeps its power level high but i did you speak much about the power of demonic dread because you can only cast that if your opponent has a creature right that's the risk you're taking in jund yeah yeah you do uh i did that was actually the first thing i said i think but it's okay um yeah, yeah. creature-centric format right like most decks have have things to put into play yeah, that's why I I'm not I've thought about building the Jun version again a few times, and it just seemed so so lackluster. You know, replacing Charlotte's agent with Dread, uh, losing losing Force of Negation. The, the blue cycling cards are are good, but I guess yeah, the the red black are 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 good. Maybe you play a better game against Graveyard Hate. And the the one card I was surprised not to see, and I feel like in some ways, you know, it used to be the main reason of why. Junt living in was good was fulminator mage that was that was how you lost i remember when, that was when i played a ton of blue white control and the matchup was pretty close but it was you know kind of all about fulminator mage and they don't even play that card sure it's bad against veil of summer but i'm still a little surprised yes so am i i i don't think veil of summers is particularly po highly played card at the moment yeah maybe four your four color has a copy or two in its sideboard and but what are the green decks? Are there really that play it? The, the majority of other green decks are like, you know, as Harry you know, so, so uh, carefully pointed out, they're, they're not capable of casting uh, Veil of Summer because they're Cascade decks. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, Veil of Summer's not a huge player in the format at the moment, and there are decks that are quite vulnerable to vulnerable to a full minute major too, especially if people are loading up on like fluster storms and spell pierces and force negations post blow. If you just like on turn three just tap out and cast your grizzly bear stone rain. <laughs> yeah, it can really catch people with their pants down. I just I don't really see why I'd want to play this deck because not only do you, are you limiting yourself to seven ca I mean they've got seven cascaders, but when with demonic dread, like I feel like the whole point of cascade is that you can kill and counter a load of things. And Demonic Dread is really counterintuitive with that idea, right? If you want a Fury and then Demonic Dread, I mean, that just doesn't work. So I'm personally not a fan of this deck, but if you guys like it, then you you, you uh, guys know. I'm not sure if it's good, but Fury's an amazing card in, in Modern, and it, it works well. I mean, sure, you don't you usually don't want to kill their creatures, but you kill them again when they come back, and it lets you not fall too far behind. It probably makes you really good against Hammer Time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure if this deck is, you know, the next, the, the thing that's going to be the Jun build that we see going forward, but what they're doing is they're, they're playing a lot of really powerful cards. And probably, you know, if you think about the kind of 
number of just straight up good cards in this deck compared to Team of Living End. It's probably got more good cards in the, that can just win a game overall. Again, interesting take on an old existing archetype that does certain things differently and maximizes some strengths over others. And yeah, how the pull. So, like, you know, shout outs to p people for still trying new things and innovating. I really would like to see some Formanator Mages over Blood Moons in the sideboard, though. Yeah, I think I might try the deck. Maybe I was going to play maybe four color with Charmstide, but maybe I'll just fire up the, the John Living Index, see, see what it's all about. Yeah, hopefully, your opponents are putting Eidolon of the Great Ripple in the play. Yeah. Should we move on to Pioneer? Yeah, yeah sure. let's talk a bit about, a little bit about Pioneer, and then we can. There's a couple of spoilers I wanted to talk about as well. All right, like sounds good. You, you played Pioneer too, right, uh, Harry? What did you play? Yeah, obviously went straight back to Mono Red. Love that deck. Um, I actually yep, played. Chunky. Hmm. Chunky Red, sure. No, no, tr not Chunky Red. No, I was oh, I playing. Never... Yeah. For those who remember, my only challenge top eight to win was with Chunky Red, but. No, I played with um, Chandra Dre Dress to Kill, you know, and then Bone Crusher's Eidolon, Soul Scar, Swiss Fears, load of burn spells. Ske uh, what is it? Spectacle? Yeah, Spectacle cards. Honestly, I really like the deck. I 4 won my first league, and then I 1 4 my second league, but. Okay, balances out to 5 5. But. <laughs> but I actually think the deck is really, really powerful. Like, um. I definitely think that it's very swingy deck, very opening hand dependent, but I really like how much card advantage the deck has now. You got four light at the stage, four Chandra to really kind of draw a load of cards if your early game creatures don't work. Eidolon does a lot of work in the format. I feel like there's not a ton of removal compared to like modern. You know, modern, your rag event, whatever, your creatures are always dying. In Pioneer, consistently, I had two or three creatures attacking, as well as, as well as a card that really surprised me was the new saga. It's called uh, Kamano Faces Kakazan. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's that sounds, that sounds right. yeah. really good. Turn one, Kamano, deal one to you, whatever. Turn two, play my Eidolon. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It can now attack through your Boreal Grazer. Um, it now can't be um, dealt... Because don't forget, there aren't bolts in the format. Can't be dealt two damage. It's really good against Phoenixes and stuff. This card is so good. The amount of p opponents that were playing Black, Red, whatever, held up Fatal Push turn one, and I played this Saga, was insane. Like, this card is so good. Um... I, I I love it so much, as well as the amount of boards where my opponent has, like, four blockers, and I'm like, okay, uh, play the saga, deal one to you, then cast my light at the stage, was really good as well. Like, um, turning on spectacle, being a delayed creature, as well as pumping my creatures, all for one mana, it's, I think that's what makes this deck um, over the top, as well that's as having really, eight card draws. That's really interesting. I, I hadn't even thought about the kind of burning their mana by having you know you spend your mana but they burn theirs because they're holding up their removal spell and the turning on light at the stage these are both really like big upsides to this card being you know essentially a delayed uh jackal pop or or, or whatever in, in some subset of games mm -hmm. yeah that's, yeah I've, I've been on paper i'm quite impressed with these mono red decks i, I feel like the format to me is a lot of con you know blue deck on blue deck uh action so like there's a lot of 
you know, obviously like Phoenix is a good deck and Blue White is a, a pretty established deck in the metagame. And both of those are kind of in the game of uh, kind of chicken as to kind of, you know, who's willing to make the most concessions towards beating the other. You know, you throw in the, the, com the combo deck like Lotus Field in there as well. like And then a, a kind of, not breakout deck of this weekend, but a deck that's had a really good performance over the last couple of weeks, and particularly this weekend, is um this blue-red Days Undoing deck. So it's like Narset Days Undoing for Thing in the Ice and a whole bunch of removal spells and treasure cruises. These decks all seem like they're kind of really well well equipped to fight amongst themselves and a deck like mono red probably pretty well positioned if you're if you've got that kind of staying power to kind of beat out the first like handful of kind of fiery impulses or flame blessed bolts or whatever that you play against yeah i yeah. i oh sorry yeah god no go ahead i was just gonna say i have played against this um uh blue red deck a couple times and i just felt like um, what is it? I feel like you're well equipped to kill a thing in the ice with Soul Scar, Mage Queen, minus one, minus counters, as well as Nid Mizzet. But I also felt like my opponents were making mistakes, like they were blocking my creatures with thing in the ice on low counters when they're tapped out, and I just like got to kill them and stuff. So I don't feel like my matches were totally reflective on the matchup. But this, uh, I've been seeing a load of that deck, like you mentioned, loads of just straight up blue red control. And I think the reason is because I don't. Obviously, I'm very inexperienced in the format, only three leagues played, but I don't think Blue-Red Phoenix is that good compared to this one, because I feel like Phoenix is really, really slow, because I kept, I haven't had an, a Phoenix opponent in three leagues get back any Phoenixes, never, whereas this Is It Control deck consistently got Niv-Mizzet down on the table against me, and I think that's why people are going for this, because... I feel like the Phoenix decks, at least at least against me, they spend all their time trying to keep my board clear because I'm just chipping away at their life total. And then when they actually have to win the game, they're like, well, I can't do anything. Maybe I'll tap out to Treasure Cruise and then I've like, not much to do. So I, 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 I'm guessing that's why they're going to more the, the controlling route. I'm not sure. I think maybe you got a little lucky because historically Phoenix is good against Red. You just have a bunch of shocks you play a bunch of shocks and then eventually you win but i guess maybe the list that only play phoenix could be bad against red historically the way phoenix beats red the way it was in standard anyways and i'm sure it's all the same this time is that your good cards were actually crackling drakes the phoenix part was not that great it was more about shocks and then playing your four toughness creatures and and winning that way i think you even used to board out Phoenix against the the red decks and just play kind of a control deck. So in, in that way, maybe it makes sense. Maybe the way people are playing Phoenix is good against some of the other decks, but not great against Burn specifically. Yeah, I'm Phoenix not does sure. Seem to be Phoenix has been kind of like there's like two schools of camp. It seems like when I look at look through the Phoenix list, like are you playing thing in the ice or are you not? And the successful decks recently, like Guldekart won a uh, a PDQ with no with nothing in the ice, Phoenix, and then also the Mox uh, showcase on the weekend was run by um, was was won won by I can't remember the person's name, but Andre Klapich. Andre Klapich, yeah, I I believe their Twitter handle was highly trained neural network at one point in time. That's how I remember them. But they won the, the this is part of the Zuma Zuma crowd, but they, they won again with um they won the showcase with uh Thing in the Iceless Phoenix. 
And these decks are more trying to, they, they seem to be geared towards assembling a combination of like Temporal Trash plus plus Galvanic Iteration yeah. to kind of take three or four turns in a row, returns of Phoenixes and just kill you without having to worry about setting up the kind of two drop that you keep in play for a number of turns. They're more about just kind of casting removal spells and, you know, and, and churning through your deck until you can set up this game winning combo. All of this seems to put you in a... Maybe it makes you a little bit worse against a deck like Mono Red, and maybe it puts you in a rough spot against Winota particularly, which is, from in my my opinion, probably the top deck in the format, even though this weekend's results don't really uh, reflect that. Uh, that. That deck is kind of just all bangers and really consistent. It's just kind of, you know, it's it fail, almost fails to itself entirely. But, yeah... Maybe maybe it's just the way that Phoenixes are being built. These Phoenix decks are being built this, the, at the moment to be in this kind of anti-blue, uh, or this this is blue deck meta game where they're trying to like you know get ahead in that on that axis. I just I feel like the while I understand Gab's point of all the shocks, I just feel like they were you can put the Phoenix player in a really awkward spot because I feel like shock isn't really that powerful against what you're doing now with being able to pump your creatures with plus one plus one counters then all the card draw and also wasting mana was really good because you know they have basic mountains and basic islands like it, you know they play a basic mountain hold at their shock and then you just play the saga for example you know that was that was quite annoying for opponents um and um yeah i don't know but you made a really good point about winoda i did play that deck myself let me just get up i don't know the exact name of the card the new six drop that they're playing with. It's here. Tovalar's Huntmaster. I was definitely gonna say Tovalar's Huntmaster. I was gonna say the thing that's a six six and makes two wolves. Yeah. So for me, I've played Winota both, I would say, before Pioneer quote unquote died to COVID and after both Winota decks. And this card, I think, is what really makes Winota good because not only is it insane to hit off Winota, because I feel like a lot of the time in the past, maybe you do like a kamikaze attack where you would attack and hope to hit something to like win the game. And then uh, this card, not only is it a 6-6 six -six attacker, it gives you two 2-2 two -two blockers, which is really good, as well as the amount of games where I just keep all mana dorks plus this and I just cast it on turn four and win is insane. Um, as well as... As well as, there's the Brutal Cathar, which is like a three-mana exile a creature an opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. That card, plus the Huntmaster, just makes the deck a really good mid-range deck. The amount of times I've won when I've just kept mana dorks like a mid-rangey Naya mid-range, where Winoda off the top wins the game, is insane. And I feel like the deck has pivoted from a, I'm going to mulligan till I have a good Winoda hand, to literally like I can keep creatures just creatures and ramp and then just if i draw winoda i insta win if not i can just kind of play a mid-rangey game and that's why i think the winoda deck is really really good now yeah i was looking at the results and monoride actually did pretty poorly it didn't really top eight the challenges it didn't do super well in the showcase it was kind of funny to the, the blue-red deck you were talking about, the Days on Doing One, dominated the challenge with H. Cook, you know, second and first. That's pretty impressive. But there was yeah. actually no one who played that deck in the showcase. So I don't know if it was, you know, kind of still a not very well-known quantity or people who playing the showcase just didn't think it was any good. The showcase was on the Sunday, right? So they would have they would have seen 
they would have been privy to the results of the Saturday. But yeah, that but that list already top aided last weekend, I think. Yeah, and... it's been around. So probably, uh, look, I'll be perfectly honest. I put I I fight up league on two matches in, and I'm zero and zero and two with it. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong, but I, <laughs> I played against I played against Winota, and I played against what did I play? What was the other deck I played against? I think oh, I played against uh, another not another blue red deck. I can't remember what else I played. Against. I played against Winota, and they trashed me. Even though I cast multiple removal spells, I just want to follow up a little bit on on, on Harry's point of like the gains that Winona has made. I think the Tolbar, you know, is a really big pickup, and so is uh, Brutal Cathar. That changes the way that uh, your human hits off of Winona play in a normal game, rather than them being kind of like, give my creatures double strike. They're now just normal creatures that can give you advantages when you're behind, as well as advantages when you're ahead. But also, a Seeker's Chariot is a huge pickup. Just you know, four, four mana, make two bodies, synergizes perfectly with uh, Winota on the following turn, where you just kind of you know play Winota, use it to crew the vehicle immediately, and then attacking with three creatures that all make tokens that so they all trigger all trigger Winota is just a recipe for success and gives you that staying power post sweeper as well. Yeah, that's how I lost playing uh, was blue white. I played a bunch of blue white this week, no challenges, just in leagues. And I used a list that Tunak Tunak used to win the challenge last weekend. They actually top aided that showcase. Uh, originally, I think it was a Salvado list that he used to to do well in challenge. And it's Pioneer. It's or I mean, it's Yorion Blue White Control. Pretty pretty standard stuff. And my assessment is that the deck is fine. Nothing too crazy. It's it's pretty good, but. When you're on the draw and they draw well, a lot of the games feel, uh, you know, some of the games feel impossible to to win and you need to have your cards come together and you have some pretty expensive cards like Farewell so you can have some awkward hands. But I thought the deck was okay. My, my results overall was was fine. Like, you know, a bunch of, I think, free twos, four ones. Not bad. I, I think I do like Yorion. I was getting that question a lot. Is, is Yorion really good? Because a lot of people play 60. And I feel like Euron makes a ton of sense because you don't really have any absolute must-draw card. You know, you don't have a card like Counterspell or Archmage Charm. All your cards are kind of whatever, you know. Your four ofs are Verdicts and Teferis, and you look at these cards. A lot of times, these cards, people will just play less in the 60-card version, you know. If you look at the 60-card version, I'm not even sure if there's really any four ofs in it or mandatory four ofs. So yeah. I feel like the value you get out of Yorion is is good. It does come up a lot. There's a lot of these red-black mid-range decks where Yorion's really good. It can be good in the mirror too. And Roman of the Sea is a is fine card, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the format's not so powerful that paying two mana for a uh, preordain is is completely unreasonable. I, mean, I agree with you. I, I, when I, if, I, if I ever tried to draft a 60-card blue-white deck, it would just be a bunch of three-offs. And so why don't I just play 80 cards and get an eighth card in my hand? Yeah. I made a few changes. I tried an Emirius call as an extra lane you can get with Narset. Just a card that I've always been impressed with in general. I also cut Settle Wreckage and Sunset Revelry from the sideboard for four copies of Ether Gust. I think that's been a good change. Settle is is probably good against Winota, but they have Spellbinder. They can kind of see it coming. They can probably afford to play a tiny bit around it too. Never been a, 
a huge fan of that card and Sunset Revelry is pretty much only against Burn, which is a tough matchup, but I felt like maybe with the four gusts, I'll make up a bit for it. So that was, I felt like the, the meaningful changes I made and I feel like they might be good. Originally I was made that change because I kept losing to six mana Chandra. That's a card that's popular in in Pioneer. And actually in Modern, someone played against me out of the Merc Tide in the Merc yeah. Tide against Four Color. They, had, they, they won a game with Chandra. I don't think that's yeah, why they really won the, the game. But... There's someone on the top end of one of the challenges who has that, um, the, the Chandra Inferno something or other. Okay. Uh, but um, th- th- their build is... Uh... It's got it's got this the white splash. They have like a Teferi Time Ravelers in their deck or something like that as well. So they kind of be a little bit bigger, it seems. But yeah, I I like your your changes of Aether Gust in in blue white. I thought that made a lot of sense. Have you considered a card like Summary Dismissal, which covers your, your Chandra bases and it also is like really good in the um in the Lotus Field matchup because they're the the card they have to break the the control matchup is a uh, Thought Distortion, which is uncountable. Six mana mind twist, basically. Yeah, I added a dismissal to the sideboard. There's also a Narcess reversal in the sideboard. And I also made room for a commit memory in the main. So I have a few answers to thought distortion. Yeah, very nice. I actually like all of those changes. And I hadn't even thought about um, Narcissus reversal as a card that would come up uh, against. Yeah. Against. Thought Origin, which must might be the, the 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 sole reason, the main reason for playing it, I think. Yeah, definitely the main reason, because even in the mirror, it's actually not that good, because the main card drawing spells is Memory Deluge, and I learned the hard way, or was reminded the hard way that... You draw zero. <laughs> yeah, because you're not paying the mana, so you get nothing out of your Deluge, just... Yeah. But some reason makes a lot of sense to me, though. It's also good if like people are going to cast new Mizzets against you as well. Yeah, Hardbreaker, Hardbreaker Horror 2 can, can yeah. be cited in, in the matchup. Yeah. It's definitely it's a card that I considered putting in the sideboard of the blue-red deck when I was sleeping it up on the, the other day. But I did. I ended up going with no changes to begin with. But I think that I might, you know, with the power of hindsight, I would like to go back and think more about it. Yeah. So, yeah. What about blue-red? I think overall, are we enjoying the format? I enjoyed my matches with Blue White, but honestly, I look at these deck lists and nothing really excites me. I, I don't, none of these decks, I'm like, oh yeah, I want to pick that deck up and, you know, take it for a spin. So I might be back in my old uh, hate, Pioneer hate mode. Not hate, but, you know, just don't feel like it's. I, want, I wonder how you'll feel when it's like uh, you're pro tour time and you're preparing pretty pretty yeah. for it maybe 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 you'll find something that jumps off the page at you i'm also looking forward to seeing how a dedicated player base tackling the format for the first time in a long time uh how, how that shakes out you know is there is there something we're missing because basically pioneer was played by 200 people on the same 200 people on magic online for you know almost 18 months and you know they can't possibly get all the way through solving the format themselves Though they, they seems to have done a pretty good job. I mean, we've got a bunch of established, really good decks. I think that, you know, if you put, you know, 2,000 people on the job all day, every day, I think that it'll it's a, it's going to have a vastly different result. Yeah. No, there's going to be so many people playing with the regional championships. Exactly. What about you, Harry? You, are you having fun? In Pioneer, honestly, I just love aggro decks in Pioneer. I really dislike... Um, I'm so used to modern level mid-range power that, to me, Pioneer's too, like, 
it's just too like mopey to play mid-range deck i want to play aggro burn you whatever like i'm so done with with playing like crappy mid-range decks you know like it feels like i'm if you play a mid-range deck in pioneer you're casting hydrid crisis or whatever you know that type of standard it's just so boring to me at least yeah i could see that you're yeah. all a bunch of haters you want to talk about spoilers yeah let's talk about it you had something in mind Right. The first thing I wanted to talk about was spoiled today towards you know, relatively late. I'm just going to make my window a little bit bigger so that I can actually scroll through Mythic Spoiler in a reasonable way. Okay, here it is. Voidrend. Okay. Uh, three mana, all one of each color Esper, so a white, a black, and a blue. It's an instant. Throw target, non land permanent. The spell can't be counted. Really succinct rules text. Pretty powerful on its surface. Do you think this is the sort of card that we'll see? play in, in, in a format like as powerful as modern? My first instinct was no, just much worse than Archmage Charm, worse than Esper Charm, even though they do vastly different things. They're going to be paying three mana to cage something that costs one or two mana most of the time. So I'm not seeing it. Maybe a one-off for versatility. I guess, how does it compare to March of the Otherworldly Lights? It's probably much better than March of the Otherworldly Light. It's like really, I, I think the first copy is better than the probably the fourth copy of March. I mean, March is two mana removal spell. Wasn't Vindicate already in Modern Horizons one? It is, but that comes a sorcery. I mean, it's in Modern Horizons two, but it's it's a sorcery, right? I, I I'm not a fan, but I mean, I can see its applications. I mean, like I'm not a fan of Dovin's Veto, but people play that sometimes. Dovin's Veto is a sicker card. Like Dovin's Veto is fucked up. But this is, I don't think this is particularly good either, just for what it's worth. But it's, it's got, it's got the right words on it. The right words in particular are instant. And that goes a long way towards making things playable, even in small numbers. I can, I could see if I'm playing, if you think about blue white decks in modern, right? Like they already want to play a triome. It's the sort of thing where maybe maybe having one or two black cards in their deck is no longer a particularly difficult thing to do. That they could have like a watery grave and the try and an Esper Triome. And you know, is this the sort of card where you if you you're looking for something that's the ultimately flexible one off? This is pretty flexible, and it has the right has the words in the right places for a deck that I, I, ta- I kind of draw go deck like like blue eye control. I, I could see it seeing play, but not being a major staple. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'll say is, you know, people nowadays, the thing that's changed about modern is everything is becoming so cheap with prismatic ending, the evoke creatures and whatever. You got to give me a real good reason to spend three mana on something. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. And I think, you know, Gab saying stuff about, you know, just, you compare this straight up to like Archmage's Charm. Yeah. Does it back up? And yeah, the answer is probably no for the, for the most part. Yeah. Anything else yeah. that's cool? Yeah. So there's it, one other couple. Ilson doesn't. Had... Sorry, Sorry. it also doesn't kill Urza Saga, whereas March does for one mana. Yeah, Ooh, one, that, yeah. you know, extra mana to kill a Ragavan. You don't get the corner case like pitch a bunch of white cards. I think that happens a bunch. So, yeah, I'm. I don't think I. I don't think that card's going to see a ton of modern play, but we'll see. Right. Okay. Next card that I, I have earmarked is another blue black card. It's Tainted Indulgence. It's a cost of blue and a black. It's an instant. Draw three cards, then discard a card unless there are five or more mana values amongst cards in your graveyard. 
Yeah, meaning different casting costs, like yeah, so, zero yeah. or one. Exactly. Not the most trivial thing to set up, but it's also it's sort of like enabler and payoff for itself in in one. And we've seen with expressive iteration that a kind of conditional draw two for two mana is still it's nothing to be trifled with. It's obviously easier to get two cards when it, you're in the early game when you're establishing it, establishing yourself in with, with expressive iteration. But this is an instant speed card. Uh, if you have any discard synergies, which presumably you would if you were building a deck to, to kind of build up to five mana values amongst cards in your graveyard. Like, this is an instant speed draw two for two mana. And that's, we've, we've shown historically that's pretty, pretty good. Like even Knight's Whisper is still a staple card. In, it's, it's a good card in, in vintage, you know. Is it yeah. in your graveyard or all graveyards? Just your graveyard. Yeah, it's your, it's yeah. your own graveyard. I mean, I'm sure. Like it, this, to me, is not is is a is a build around. You know, like people build around expressive iteration by making their decks so cheap. I don't really know how you build around this. Like, so yeah, it's it's okay. It seems okay. Seems like it could be really good in reanimator specifically. There's already you know Esper reanimator was a deck. Ooh. Yeah, and think about think about the casting costs. Like, so you want maybe you have a solitude in your deck. That's a five mana card that goes to your graveyard that doesn't cost very much mana. You put grief in your deck. That's a four mana card that goes to your graveyard. Teferi Time Raveler often goes to your graveyard. Archmage's Charm goes to your graveyard. Counterspell goes to your graveyard. Um, okay. Yeah, you have March and Prismatic Ending. Then if you throw in like you know some kind of Esper animated stuff on top of that, like you're looking at you know Unburial Rites and Archon of Cruelty or whatever. Suddenly, uh, maybe you got a bit of a stew going, you know. Nah, the, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, this card's actually really good, actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> uh, now it's the best card that's ever been printed. Well, yeah, yeah because uh, if Harry, you think about it, it's almost Harry, a better. Like this goes really well alongside the the blue white gain to Faithless looting one. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now we're looking at we've got eight cards that draw cards and put things in your graveyard. Yeah, I, I think that we're kind of getting the critical mass of something going on here. Is it a tier one strategy in modern? I don't know. But is it a deck, a card that will see play and push an archetype forward? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I agree. I'm say it's good. Yeah. If you can abuse the, the discard part. And... Well, that's that's all I had. That's all I had flagged. Uh, I don't know um, if anyone else had anything they wanted to mention on the, from from the spoilers I've seen over the last Not really. We're, we already talked about John Charm. That might be good. You've got Omnixilis, who's maybe the card the most hyped about for standard, and that card could maybe be good in in modern. It, it looks pretty powerful. I couldn't even remember the text on it. I know it looks very powerful. Maybe we can it's, find it. It's a black, a red, and one. It has free loyalty. The plus one is either they have to discard or they take two damage. If you have a devil, you gain two life. Then there's a minus two. Yeah, there's a minus two where you get a one-one red devil that pings when it dies, and some ultimate that does something. But it has casualty. It's minus seven, draw seven, lose seven. Yeah. Target player draw seven, loses seven. As casualty X, where meaning if you sack a creature, it gets um, it copies itself, so you get a second copy where the loyalty, starting loyalty is a. Casting cost of the creature or the power, I forget. Uh, the power of the creature. Power. Yeah, you get loyalty equal to sacrifice creatures with power X. Yep. 
So basically you can go one drop, two drop, play that on three, sack one of your two creatures, and you get two of these planeswalkers, and all of a sudden the plus one, you know, make you discard or lose two life becomes really oppressive. And you yeah. get you get six six mana worth of cards for you know, four four mana or whatever, sacking your one drop. Yeah, that's that's got a lot of text on it. I I think one copy is not very scary. I think that's that let, let's be fair, one if you someone just cast it against me in modern I'll go, whatever, I don't give a shit. I'll just take mm. two a bunch of times. But having it happen twice a turn is no joke. That's like you can only ignore that for five turns at a minimum. And yeah. There's enough there's enough like red black sacrifice synergies that I can imagine someone someone piecing piece, threading the needle and getting getting a, like a red black sacrifice deck going in modern. And just being, you know, a centerpiece of it. It's not the sort of. It's not the sort of. So, Redback Sacrifice is a deck that, like, on gen typically plays as, like, you know, attrition, kind of grind them out, like, accrue, like, some small incremental advantages. Whereas this card doesn't actually do that in my mind. I think it's more about this is just burning people out. Yeah. And you really got to be putting pressure on your opponent's life total to take advantage of this card. Because making yeah. a devil is not great. <laughs> I'm not sure this card is going to line up well in modern. If you see what you're facing, they're just not going to care, you know. That's unless, as well. unless you played in actual, it's just like straight up burn, and you just play that card in your burn deck, and it's somehow an improvement. But historically, anything that costs more than two mana has not really been an upgrade to to a burn deck. No, not not once ever. This is definitely a card I could see playing like Pioneer. I mean, we already have a red black sacrifice deck in that format, and I can imagine this taking place. You know, if you think about, it, you put this alongside only only Cult Anvil, and like that's five damage a turn. Mm. You know, people are going to die pretty fast when you deal on five a turn. Yeah, but like Living In laughs at that card. Omnath probably laughs at that card. Blue Red Murktide. You're you're spending free mana, not impacting the board. If anything, you're like. Losing your board, I guess you can make these devils that are okay against Ragavan. Yeah, maybe. I think it, it, it might be busted in, in standard, maybe mm. maybe pioneer or or historic, but I'm not seeing I've it in an, modern. I've got one more card that's just just appeared appeared to me on the spoiler. Okay. All right, unlicensed hearse. So it's a two mana vehicle, has crew two, and its power toughness is star star. It says. Tap exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard, and its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards exiled with it. Hmm. From target graveyard or your graveyard? One target graveyard. So you can do it from theirs or yours, but not one from mine, one from yours. For two mana? But you can only do it once per turn? So yeah, just tap, it's just tap, tap exile up to two cards. Oh, tap. Uh, to me cool. that's that to me yeah. at best that's a card in the great creator card maybe yeah it's pretty powerful i mean it kills pretty fast as well and like it's crew cost is low and it's pretty fast like it's four four six six and then it starts attacking like on turns that it doesn't need to be exiled their graveyard it just goes to town on their life total it's, it's just graveyard hate, right? Yeah. It's graveyard hate, but also it's also like kind of it at least has like a role in games where you don't need graveyard hate. So like you can play it in your main deck maybe, and it's like just a kind of removal resilient threat that you know 
has as kind of like splash damage against graveyard synergies that you might have in your deck. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can bring in more copies post board. Could, I, could, I, could, I, I like it. Yeah, it could be good. I mean, modern super graveyard centric, there's almost yeah. no no deck that doesn't rely in some ways on their graveyard. So, yeah, like maybe yeah. you just have like a copy in the main and like a copy in the board, and it's, you know, I mean, Exile's two cards, so it's not like it's even like really slow, like Relic, and it's targeted as well. So you get to like actually yeah. eat the things you want to eat. So there's 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 a lot of I think there's a bit of mileage in that card. It gets Obviously, around the ley line of sync. Sorry, yeah. So yeah, so you know, you get to our ley line of sanity. That's a, that's 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 a nice one. Yeah, yeah, because it targets the cards explicitly, not the players. Great. It, it players. doesn't get around ground seal though. It doesn't. That's something we should really consider, take into consideration when we think about all cards that we discussed today. <laughs> I don't know. I, those, those are four cards that have like jumped out at me off the spoiler. But yeah, honestly, you have to be frank. Every card has so, every kind of so many words on it that not many things have jumped out at me. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going through the the list earlier because I hadn't looked at the spoiler in a while, and yeah, I didn't. It, it, it all looks cool, and uh, I'm excited to try. You know, especially uh, standard and. And maybe even historic for the next arena championship, but I'm not sure there's yeah. a ton, ton for modern. But you know, just maybe just a few cards is always yeah. exciting. Those, those, those. So they've they've finally announced the format of the loss of the next PT. It's standard and historic, right? So they kind of just abandoned yeah. abandoned alchemy for the time being. Yeah. I, from from all accounts, standard's actually pretty good at the moment post ban. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that was the reason why they picked standard. And maybe it's part of, you know, you were talking about or moving away from digital and going back to paper. Maybe that's also part of it. Yeah, give give the people who are going to turn up at stores and you know, yeah. to, like something to kind of watch for. Yeah, I, I I'm actually agree. not even sure I thought about that and that perspective of why they chose standard over alchemy. Yeah, so you have one arena only format and one tabletop format, yeah. Are we ready to wrap? Because it's, uh, yeah. it's been, a, been a solid car so far. Yeah, sure. We, so, life on the line. Life on the line. Yep. For those who are listening, don't know what life on the line is. At the end of every episode, we have a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. If you lose, you die. Going to bring a deck list from every format we talked about today. Easy, modern, and pioneer. I guess I'll go first because I don't mind playing with my life. Um. Hmm. Well, Pioneer, I'm obviously going to play Mono Red. In Modern, I think I go with Murktide, honestly. I just... Four-color control used to be great for me, but now I just... I don't know, it's not really my thing anymore. It's starting to feel like it's moving towards, you know, how Bantu used to look. It's so tuned, it doesn't really feel like a control deck anymore. That's my kind of my opinion. What, what about you, Pat? Right, I'm going to do exactly what I did last week. I'm going to play uh, Murktide in Modern, and I'm going to play Winota in Pioneer. Ooh, what were you, Gab? I'm going to play Four Color in Modern. I kind of want to try Spell Pierce in Four Color. It's so good in every deck, so I was like, maybe. Yeah, that'd be pretty dirty, actually. A <laughs> Spell Pierce. And in Pioneer, I somehow have not gotten paired a single time against Phoenix with Blue White, so I'm not even sure how this matchup feels. I'm assuming it's just good for Phoenix, because that's always the case, but... Um, I'm just going to trust the Zoomers and I'm going to copy that Phoenix list that did well in the showcase. That's very smart. Cool. Now, to finish off the episode, as we are sponsored by Card Market, we do the prices right. 
where we guess the price of a card off of Card Market's website. Do we have any particular card that jumped out to us today? Um, what did we talk about? What could we even pick? Maybe something. Maybe Living End. I don't. Um, or... Living End's gonna be like pennies, right? Right. I'm gonna go with Winoda. Ooh. Okay. It's a mythic, right? I don't know. Yeah, pretty sure. Okay, I've got a price in my head. Yeah, me too. Me too. Okay, three, two, one, eight. Nine. Twelve. Oh my gosh. Okay. God, I like I read myself in down to twelve and I'm still like waver what you guys guessed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Average price tr wait. What do we take? The 30 day, seven day? I think we uh, should do seven, seven day. The seven day average is 11 euros and 11 cents. I'm sorry, you went over. Yeah. No, I win. Gab no wins. Overall. I'm the closest. <laughs> no overall. <laughs> trying to cheat me. Congratulations, Finally. Gab. As you did, did win. It's a mythic and it's played in, in Pioneer. What, what was it? What was the 30 days? It probably went shot up, right? 30 like... days is 8 euros and 30. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. I was going I by think... 30 days ago price. Yeah. People were talking about how their Magic Online collection had gained like plus 20% or something. Yeah. I was plus like 2K or something. Yeah. Exactly. Damn. Okay. Well, as the winner of Prices Right, you get to shout out your social media first. Where can we find you? Twitch.tv slash Yellowhat, Twitter at Gavin Seif, and I also have a YouTube channel, Yellowhat. Cool. You can find me editing thumbnails for Gab's YouTube channel, hoping <laughs> to motivate him to upload videos. Uh, or you can find my content after May 25th, anywhere at HaremTG. That's when I'm coming back after exams. What about you, Pat? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm around. You're around. You know what? If you're not going to sh check out Pat's socials, why don't you leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. That would very much help us and we very much appreciate it. But if you made it this far into the episode, as always, thank you so much for making it this far. And I guess we'll all catch you guys next week. Later, everyone. Take care.